Welcome to the Nicodemus Podcast. Here we discuss the deeper things of God that your everyday Christian wonders about, but may not have anyone who will discuss it with them. We will discuss what a relationship on a deeper personal level looks like, while also maintaining the practicality of being an everyday Christian with an everyday life. Welcome back to the Nicodemus Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5, and today we're going to be talking about grace, true grace, some of the misconceptions about grace and how that word's thrown around a lot by the church, and digging into what the script, what does the scripture say about the grace that each of us has been given by God. So Aaron, if you want to go ahead and pray, we'll get into it. Father God, I thank you for your word, Lord. I ask that you walk us in by wisdom, uh, take us by the hand, and take us deep into what you have. Father, I ask that the anointing come and destroy the preconceived ideas, and Lord, help uh, the listener grow in you and grow in your grace, Lord. And we ask this in your lovely name. Amen. 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 All right, so true grace. Um, Aaron, you want to kick us off here? Yeah, I'll get it started. So um, the church has for a long time had the definition of unmerited favor as uh, grace, and that's not a horrible definition, but it's interpreted horribly, horribly. We don't really understand what that means because uh, a lot of times thinking of unmerited favor, people think, I deserve to be punished. I deserve something bad, but because of God's grace, he won't punish me. That's mercy. That's not grace. If you understand God's God's parts, uh, it, that's his mercy. Yes, he's merciful, and he loves us, and he and He forgives us. And, and uh, in the past, he has winked on our, on our mistakes. So he don't want to continue to do that, but but he because he wants us to grow closer to him and we leave that all behind but if we're thinking that's what grace is then we miss a whole lot of really important stuff that's meant for us so so it's it's not just unmerited favor uh but if we understand unmerited favor we can go a little further but but uh people take the definition of grace being unmerited favor and think I can do what I want to and God's grace will make it okay. A lot of the times I feel like I've heard people when they talk about grace, they use it as an excuse to sin or an excuse to do what they want. And uh, they say, well, God knows my heart or whatever. And that's true. He does know your heart, but grace, God's goodness is not an excuse for us to willingly go do something that we know that he doesn't approve of. It doesn't give us a, a hall pass to go and do whatever we want to and then ask for forgiveness. Um, that, I hear a lot of Christians using grace as an excuse, like I said, to to try to be like, well, I know God will forgive me if I go and do this because he's good. He's, his grace covers me. In, in reality, uh, grace could not be limited to... Um, uh, sin anyway, or connected really directly to sin anyway, because uh, John 1 uh, verse 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Well, we know that's talking about Jesus. And it says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So if Jesus was full of grace and it had to do with sin, then we've got, we've, we've got a, a problem here. But Jesus mm-hmm. had no sin. So it's not about sin. There's something else to this. What is this grace that we are thinking is one thing? What is it really? Uh, so there's a lot we could talk about about what grace is. The, the hall pass to sin is not is definitely not what it is. 
One odd thing to me, and y'all can tell me if y'all find this odd, but I've always found it odd when it says if if you are taking it as unmerited favor and you plug that into every place you find grace, you will realize that that's not what it's meaning. You know what I'm saying? Like if you if you take if you take where it says grace out and you plug in unmerited favor, say it just like that. So like. Romans 6.14, For sin will no longer be a master over you, since you are not under law, but under unmerited favor. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. What then are we to conclude? Shall we, Romans 6.15, Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under unmerited favor? Certainly not. It doesn't make any sense when you start looking at it that way. Do we have unmerited favor with God? Yes. Is that what grace really is? No. All, all the times where it says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Again, we do have unmerited favor, but think about what that's really saying. M- let the unmerited favor of Jesus Christ be with you. Yeah. So that's what is that doing for you? Is is it's a power. So if we if we took this Second um, Corinthians twelve verse eight, it says, "For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart mm-hmm. from me." And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So if, if we read that that way, and that verse goes on, but if we read that way, we, we find that, reading in that whole chapter, you find that Paul had a, a thorn in the flesh, which was a demon, sent to buffet him. And when he's asking God to help him get rid of this demon, God says, Oh, my grace is sufficient for you. So if we if we were taking that hall pass to sin, my hall pass to sin is sufficient for you. What is how is that happening with uh, his demon at hand? Yeah. Uh, so the way that we have understood unmerited favor, that definition has got to change because that don't that don't help us at all. That don't get us anywhere. Um, the the hall pass to sin or the not giving me the punishment that I'm due is it, that don't work that that does not work at all we have to really understand uh the real the real definition so uh we we can we could go into verse after verse after verse showing how that thought doesn't work uh but i think i'll just uh sum all of it up with if you're using grace as an excuse to sin uh, then you're missing the whole boat anyway. Yeah. That we don't want to sin. Sin is not uh, a good thing. So we're not going to use it as an excuse. If you're drawing closer to God, you want to please Him anyway. If you have a relationship with Him, you want to please Him anyway. So you're not really wanting to sin if you're uh, pursuing Him. So so um, I for a long time, I was dead set against the, the definition of unmerited favor. Till the Lord asked me one time, uh, he said, uh, he said, what? Uh, he said, we need to work on your definition of unmerited favor. And, and uh, so I didn't, I didn't really understand why he was asking me that. So I, so I, I started praying into it and he asked me what about the definition of unmerited favor thinks, thinks, uh, makes you think that you can just do what you want to do because that's the way I had always heard it that you could go do what you want to do and God God asked me what about that definition makes you think that's what it is and I realized that the word unmerited favor don't point to that it don't 
point to a hall pass to sin. There's a there's a, a really deeper thought to it. So when something is merited, it's earned. It's worked for. Now Jesus was full of unmerited favor, and you say, well, Jesus done all this. He was he would have merited it all. He would have earned it all. And I realized that if if God had to let Jesus earn it, we're supposed to follow in Jesus's footsteps. We could have never had grace because we couldn't have earned it. It, it couldn't good. be earned. Mm-hmm. So it was unmerited because if because it, it couldn't be earned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted us all to have it, so he wasn't going to base it on whether we could earn it or not. And so then he took me into understanding the word favor. And favor is the root word of favorite. You know, something that you really like. So you you are God's favorite you. Mm-hmm. You're, you have a calling and you're the favorite, his favorite one for precisely what you're called for. And, that, and nobody else compares. And you didn't earn that. Yeah. It don't, it, you didn't earn it. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You did not earn you being the favorite you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's not the case. But, uh, but so God has this favor. And when you think of that favor, when I think of favor, I think about a, uh, uh, teacher's pet. Teacher's pet couldn't do Couldn't do anything wrong. They get candy. They get whatever when they come into class because they're the teacher's favorite. They get to do all the easy assignments. They get whatever because they're the favorite. But so God, God has this favor for you. That he, because you are his favorite at what you were called and anointed to be, mm. and and you didn't have to earn that. So so uh, if you want to use the definition of un, of unmerited favor, realize that it is it is the fact that I'm his favorite at something and I didn't earn it. So so it's not a hall pass to sin, but it's the fact that even if I sinned. He still expects me to use the power that I have that he put in my life to accomplish what he wanted me to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, don't let that sin that I did in the past hold me back and, and hold a grudge against myself. I can't allow that to hold me back anymore. I have to say, wait a minute, that's in the past. I've been forgiven for that. I move on. I ask God for forgiveness. That's in the past. I move on away from that. So, so uh, I... I uh, have for a long time said grace is not unmerited favor. Well, it it is if you understand unmerited favor, if you understand what that really means. But it's not it's not even limited to that because we, as you study out grace, there's a another definition that you can plug into the word for grace, and you, and like Colton was doing earlier, like Edmondson was doing earlier, where you say uh, how does unmerited favor fit into this equation um, there's a definition that you can plug in that will work every time and it is god's empowering presence enabling you to do what you were created to do and is and enabling you to be what you were created to be so if god's uh, empowering presence is there enabling you to do and be what you were created to do and be then then and it's based off the fact that he called you for that he called you to do exactly what you were called to do, and you're, you're his favorite you. You are his favorite you, and you didn't earn it. 
He just loved you in spite of it all. And he chose you to do this and he gave you the power to accomplish it. If you understand that and you start plugging that into the word grace, in, in all the places in the Bible you find grace, it will blow your mind. No right. wonder Jesus was full of grace. He was God's favorite hymn. Mm -hmm. he, nobody else could have went and died on the cross for us. He did it because he was God's favorite hymn. Right, and that's why when it says sin no longer reigns, grace reigns, it's not sin doesn't no longer reign, unmerited favor reigns now. The presence of God reigns in your mortal body now. And, you know, like Aaron was just saying, I don't ever want to take away from the fact that we do have this unmerited favor like like we look at. That is a thing that God gives us things that we didn't, we couldn't have earned, like Aaron just said. That That is absolutely true, but you might be saying, why are we talking Why are we talking about this? Because just like when we wanted to talk about covenant and identity and authority, because understanding that God has given you the power to accomplish what he's called you to accomplish is very important because a lot of the church doesn't, a lot of the church doesn't think that they have it. A lot of the church spends a lot of time not doing anything except waiting on the rapture because they don't understand grace is the empowering presence. If God calls me to go be a missionary in Africa, God's grace is with me to go to Africa and be the best mission, be the missionary he had me to be, reach the people he had me to reach in the places he wanted me to reach them. However, however that comes about. And so it doesn't have to be, filtered through any human anything now god moves that way a lot but i i want to put out here talking in circles a little bit i want to put out here if god has called you to something there's grace there to help you accomplish that thing whether everybody lines up with you or whether they do not god will make it happen for you that's why grace is so important so in the new testament grace is defined i, I love this definition of grace um this is g5485 but the definition that says it's God exerting his holy influence upon souls. It turns them to Christ. It keeps, strengthens, and increases them in Christian faith. Uh, increases them in Christian faith, the knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian values. So grace, that's why we're saying that it's empowering presence because grace really takes your mind, will, and emotions and is pushing them towards the God. It pushes them towards God. It's making you uh, be able to keep the values that, that we see all throughout the Bible and then empowers you to do all the things that we've been talking about, of course, with authority and covenant and all those things. It's it's the power that um, that is helping you do these things. So when I look at this, um, you know, hearing about this empowering presence and tying that in with me being God's favorite uh, me, you know, I'm the one that he has called for what I do. I I, it makes me think of uh, a story in the Bible. You find it in Acts chapter 3. Um, you see that uh, there's a lame man sitting at the gate called Beautiful. And he's 40 years old, and he's been sitting out there every day for 40 years. And uh, Peter and John come up on him, and he's begging alms. And, and Peter looks at him and says, Look on us. Uh Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give out of thee, stand, stand up and walk. Now, Peter had money. Uh, when he said, look on us, he wasn't saying, uh, look at me, I'm poor. 
Peter wasn't a poor man. Now, he might not have had money on him at the moment, but Peter wasn't a poor man. Uh, but when he said, look on us, he was saying, you can look here for help. And he, you know, this, the rest of the story, the man gets up and he walks, he's healed. The thing that people don't think about, I've heard it preached, uh, but a lot of people don't think about it, is Jesus had walked by that gate called Beautiful many, 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 many times. And the Bible clearly says that this man was laid out there daily. Every single day of his life, he was laid out there. So Jesus had to have walked by him multiple, multiple, multiple times. The cool thing is, it was not in God's divine order, God's divine plan for Jesus to heal that man. It was for uh, Peter and John to bring the healing. So Peter and John lined up with God's will because they were God's uh, favorite ones to heal the man. They were the ones that had the power, the grace was there for them to walk up to that man and administer healing, tell him to stand up and walk. They showed up with the power and with the right calling, the right anointing, everything, all the, the world would say all the stars aligned, but it was really all the things in God aligned and it was the right time for everything because God had preordained that it would be Peter and John that would walk up to that man and heal him. And so we say all that because you have a calling. There's things inside of you that, that God has embedded there for someone else. Uh, Edmondson says it all the time. Everything uh, that, you, that God gives you is for the benefit of someone else. The anointing you have, your ability to preach, your ability to lay hands on the sick, everything that you have is there for the benefit of someone else. And so the callings of Peter and John for that day was so that that man that was laying by that gate would be able to stand up and walk. And, bring, and it brought glory to Father. Father got glory out of it. All right, guys, so we've said a lot about grace, what it is, what it isn't, and so who wants to kick us off with some real-life scenarios of God's grace being sufficient, God's grace empowering you to do something? So I'll say this, and then I'll let Aaron start that. I think to in order to have a practical sense of grace, you've got to understand the calling that you have in your life, because then you can acknowledge that, okay, I have this calling now I know that grace is here to help me fulfill this calling. I just wanted to add that for and let you go ahead. And, well, on the tail end of you saying that, um, you, you there's a lot of things that we describe as being graceful. Uh, you watch a swan swimming across the the water. You know you watch things that and it looks so effortless. It just looks amazing. You see a, a ballerina dancing and it's graceful and they say, you know, it looks so amazing. It looks effortless and flawless at the same time. Well, that that is what grace does for you. God's empowering presence will make you look good and make you, it looks effortless and makes you look flawless if you can chime or, or tap into it. So, um, but on, also on that, your point about knowing what you're called for your calling doesn't is not limited to your ministry i believe all of us have a ministry and i believe all of us have a calling 
but our calling is not limited to our ministry. Uh, sometimes you may be called to be whatever you are, whatever your job title is. If you're, you may be a gas station clerk. That may be what you are. And if you are, and God, if God called you to do that, not everybody is in the middle of God's plan. But if that's what God's calling is for you to do, you can be graceful in that and be able to minister to somebody in that mm-hmm. spot just because of God's empowering presence. For me, I know that in my job, uh, there was a time that I was not as educated as I am right now in what I do. I, I am a process improvement specialist. No time to talk about that. But but there was a time when I wasn't educated in it. and I, um, But I had the Holy Spirit and I had grace. And I had people bragging, saying, I think Aaron's a genius because I was solving problems other people couldn't solve. But honestly, the Holy Spirit was giving me the answer. It looked effortless and I looked flawless. But I honestly had no clue what I was doing. It took a long time for me to actually get the training and the education that I have now. But he made me look good at it. What you are called to do, he, he, his grace will come and make you look awesome at it. And, it and, and, and that's in your everyday life. God will help you in your everyday life. Right. I want to add in here, too, certain people seem to kick back against this, but God needs people in everyday situations. We can't all be mega church pastors that like don't ever see people and just hang out with other pastors all day. God needs people in the marketplace, so to speak, Walmart, uh, gas station clerks, uh, you know, teachers, teachers, policemen, all, all your regular everyday, you know, your mechanic. God needs people in those situations to reach people that your mega church pastor. I don't know why I'm saying that. Your, your pastor, your pastor, your regular church will probably not encounter the exact same people that a mechanic will Absolutely. or somebody who works at the gas station or Walmart or McDonald's will or in the situations that they come in when they're coming in with it. So I just, I, I'm not trying to take us off the practical application, but just saying I want to encourage people that, that might be, maybe you don't preach a lot. Maybe you don't get to get up and sing or, or what have you, but that doesn't mean God's calling isn't on your life or the grace isn't there like Aaron was talking about. God needs people in everyday, ordinary situations where extraordinary people are able to make an impact on people's lives. That is that is a huge part of Christianity that people nowadays, it seems, have just forgotten about. People making a difference in, in little things. Jesus said the well don't need a physician. It's the sick that need a physician. Mm-hmm. And so there is people that will not come to the church and let a pastor pray yeah, for them and minister to point. them. But if you're the gas station clerk, you are going to interact with people mm-hmm. that the pastor isn't going to interact with. There's going to be people that come in there to get their whatever they need that they won't come into the church to get what they need. Right. And if you are working according to your call, whatever your call is, you can be the Jesus that they would have never seen any other way. I'm not saying you have to like hammer them with, God loves you, right. blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying you have to hammer them with that, but I am saying 
that you can be a light to them. Um, I, I remember recently going into a, a place of business, I'll say it that way, and uh, a woman was there that uh, I seen, and she was really upset. You could tell she was upset. I finally realized later that I was recognizing by the Spirit, but my natural mind was what I thought I was recognizing it on. She was physically upset or, or very upset. So I, I looked at her and I uh, said, are you okay? And she said, yes, why? And I said, well, you just thought something was bothering you. And I said, I just want to make sure you're okay. And uh, she said, I'm fine. Uh, thanks for asking. And the Holy Spirit told me as I was about to walk away, he said, tell her that you care. So I looked back and I said, uh, ma'am, I care. And um, I said all that because I never once said Jesus loves you. I just told her that I cared. And uh, I don't know what that meant for her. But, you know, let's go to an extreme. She might have been contemplating suicide. But hearing I care may have prolonged her life long enough to hear someone else that would be the Peter and John of the moment that would come in and administer salvation. Now, I don't believe that's what was going on with her, but I don't really know. Who right. knows? I'll, all I know is the Holy Spirit told me to tell her I care. And I saw her wiping the tears away as I walked away. So the Lord knew what she needed to hear. Right. Absolutely. Um Getting back on practical application, Colton, you got a practical instance of grace. My practical is going to sound rough after everyone just shared that moving. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But um, So I'll try to make this short because this is a very long story. But uh, when I first started, before I started coming to Extended Hand Church, uh, the pastor's grandson and me had been friends since preschool. I'd known him basically all my life. And we were in the... Ninth grade or eighth grade, one of the two, uh, and uh, he invited me to come work security. And I'm putting air quotes around security uh, at this revival that Extended Ham was putting on. And um, I would go in and listen to the music as they were playing the music, and then I'd go back outside and stay out there. I, I wasn't a believer at the time. Well, I, I was, but I wasn't living the life I needed to be living. But, anyways, one of the nights I went in to listen to the music, the. Um, I sat down close to the stage as the service was over, just listening to the man play the piano. And he looked down at me and he was like, do you know how to play the drums? And I was like, yeah, I've been playing the drums all my life. Uh, and uh, he was like, well, you think you'd come back and play the drums for us, you know, the rest of the revival? And I was like, sure. Um, and so at this point, I had been playing the drums. I was in marching band in high school. And the only drum set knowledge I knew was at my grandfather's church where I was not good at drum set by any means. Um, but I still told the man I could play. I don't, I guess the Holy Spirit in me made me, made me say that at the time. But um, so I came back the next night and they were going over these songs and it was crazy. And most people won't believe this and that's okay. But um, it was crazy because as, as they were playing, I just was able to play very well way above anything i've ever played before had never played the drums like this and at the time i was like my god i have arrived like i'm i sound awesome you know that, that was my mindset at the time and and then later on you know of course i uh the lord met me there and really 
I changed my the Lord changed my life right then and there, and um, been following Him ever since, of course. But the the Holy the God, God right there allowed me. He I tapped into grace that I didn't know was there available for me to be able to play the drums in that setting, and really show me like, hey, you're called to be a musician. You're called to be a worshiper, um, and so. That that was that's a practical version for me because the grace I accessed it before I even knew what it really was and it was there for me available and you know of course later on down the, the line the Lord worked on my pride towards my my drumming abilities that He uh, graciously gave me um, but to me that that's a practical version for me is just God giving me the grace to be able to play the drums for that um, for that time. Yeah, and that's a that's a powerful thing I think that Colton was talking about is when when you encounter God where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there and it's almost like you stumbled into it. You know what I mean? Like like you have met God on on the right path at the right time. And I also want to say I just add in here that um Colton, Colton is a very good drum player. He's not just trying to harp on his own abilities because mine's going to be about the same. Uh, talking about practical application of grace, mine's going to be when the first time I preached because <clears throat> I had received a call to preach when I was 15 or 16. I was in some small church, and and I think it was in Montgomery, Um and and they had this prayer line for young men in the church. And they basically was like, if you're a teenage boy, come up and get in this prayer line. So I got in the prayer line. God was going through and laying hands. And and he said, um, I, I, he said some, because there was two of them. The first guy said, you have a very strong call on your life. I'm pretty sure that's all he said. And then he moved on past me. Then a few months later, the second time, this guy, I remember what he said. He comes up and he lays hands on me. He says, you just recently received a call on your life to preach. But the first guy had not said to preach. And so then then I, I took that from there. There was no big, huge, that didn't like put me up in the pulpit or anything. So... My my church that I was with had heard that, and the youth pastor and stuff had tried to get me to speak on youth engagements and stuff, and I would never do it. I was never—I still don't feel like I am outside of, outside of God. I don't like to get up in front of people and speak a lot. But So I went through—I um, was 15, 16 then, and it was 20— 16 when I spoke for the first time, so I was 21. So I went through about five or six years there of, of not speaking. But then when I started coming to Extended Hand, there's a very unique thing about Extended Hand because it is the only place I've ever been where the the conviction and the influence of God is so strong that every single person comes to a spot where it's either you're going to go with God or you're, or you, or you're not going to come. And and there's people who have left and there's people who leave and come back, back and forth because they teeter-totter. Well, I had been coming to youth with my wife and, and I was I was already a grown man, but I needed the youth group because spiritually I was I didn't know a whole lot. So youth group was able to teach me a lot of the basics. And one time I had missed their youth practice and I came back and they were like, hey, you're preaching on youth Sunday. 
And I don't remember having this conversation with myself. I don't know how else to describe it other than the Holy Ghost. There was like a knowing of, okay, you, you've heard this call. Now you can either step into it or you can, or you can deny it like you have been. And so I just accepted it and would pray. That was, that was about two weeks before I was supposed to speak. I would pray and just did not feel like God had given me nothing. And so, um, the youth pastor texts me and is like, you got asking what I'm going to preach on. I'm like, I don't have anything. So they probably weren't really sure what to expect. But anyways, finally, finally the, the night before, I had went to bed and basically just prayed the simplest prayer in the world of like, God, you got to help me or else I'm going to get up here and look like an idiot and be run out of this place. And so that morning I woke up really early, um, probably like 5, 5.15, 5.30, somewhere in there, and went and sat down at the kitchen table. And God just began talking to me about, about callings and using uh, Moses and saying all that to say this, I stepped up in front of all them people for the first time ever speaking. And like Aaron said, God made me look fantastic because um, every I was shaking. I was literally shaking with the microphone in my hand the whole time. Uh, legs shaking, everything. I probably didn't move. They make fun of me because I don't move now. But But I probably literally did not move when I got up there. But everybody that I've talked to since has been like, man, you seemed like you had been preaching for 10 years when you got up there. And that was another instance of meeting God at the right time on the right path. Um, because like I said, I, I still don't talk my grace and empowering you to do what God's called you to do. I still don't like to get up in front of people. But when it's time for me to preach, there's a, People who know the Spirit and people who are preachers on here know the anointing comes on me and things like that. The grace is there for me to deliver the Word. Um, so that would be probably my practical application of God. God helped me. God helps me be me, I guess. You know, there's words that I need to give. And, and without Him, without Him, Colton Edmondson does not like to get up in front of people. And some of the people that come to church with us that hear me preach probably are are probably wondering if I'm telling the truth here, but y'all know me. I, I don't like to get up in front of big crowds and speak, but when it's time to preach, is there's a difference there because of the it's the grace. It's the grace and the anointing that comes on me the same way it does every other preacher, worship leader, everything else. So so, so one more point on on everything we've just said about about the practical application of grace. If you're if you're a listener and you've either chimed into the grace or tapped into the grace before, you know, hooked into it and got to working in it before, or you do after this podcast and you, and you say, okay, the grace is there for me. Uh, Lord, I want to use it. I will warn you that, that it is easy to let pride jump in and say, boy, didn't I look good? Absolutely. But remember what we said to start off with you didn't earn this grace. Right. It was given to you. You looked amazing, effortless, and flawless only because 
God made it happen. Yeah, I don't feel like I looked at. I don't feel like I've ever looked as good again. <laughs> every time, every can, time it's went it's went a little downhill. I I can say that not calling you prideful, but I can say when pride gets in the way, you won't look as good. Right. Yeah. You have to get to the place that you say, um, I realized that that was God working through me, not right. me doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, because once you once you feel like you're doing it on your own. Then you start to do it when he's not giving you the grace for it, and then and then you really are out there on the ledge, just because you can take anything out of a scripture. Any preacher can take anything out of the scripture and talk about it, and it would be good to to an extent. I mean, delivery and stuff matters, but all scripture is good. We could open up a Bible, flip it open right now, find some scriptures, and talk about it. And it would be good scriptures because the scripture is good. Same thing with the worship leader. There's I don't I don't I don't know how many Christian songs are out there. Millions. You could sing one of them and and people be like, I, I love this. Somebody in the crowd's gonna be like, I love this song. But when the grace isn't there, you can tell it. Mm-hmm. And when the grace is there, he can take words that don't nobody want to hear or songs that don't nobody want to hear, put his but our pastor always says, put his supernatural on your natural. And then that that's basically grace is him putting his supernatural on your natural, mm-hmm. essentially boiling it down to very, very, very layman's terms. But yeah, that's a very good point. You don't yeah, want to be outside you, the grace. If you think that you, um, if you get to the place that you think you're doing it on your own, you might better watch out. You may be doing it on your own before too long. And it ain't fun when you do it by yourself. Yeah, and see, the difference when you step into those moments, like you were talking about how you're, the grace is there and you know it's there, then you can take it to the bank that the words that the Lord has given you, the message that He's given you is going to touch or pierce somebody's heart, or the songs yes. that you're going to sing is going to minister to somebody. If I, if I, if I get up and, I, and I'm going to do a worship set and I didn't ask the Holy Spirit to help me or I, I've, I've just said, well, I've been leading worship for the past four or five years, you know, on my own, I, I can just, I'll just pick these songs that I know I sound good when I sing them and go to sing them. Yes, they might sound good. I mean, I'm I'm not the best singer in the world by by any means. They might sound good, and I, I'll play the guitar or whatever, and then, that might sound nice. But I can take songs that I know that I've prayed about and put my thought into uh, and ask the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, what is going to minister first to God but to the people as well? And when I get those songs and I deliver those songs, mm-hmm. that's what's going to be able to meet somebody. God's going to be able to meet somebody where they're at because he knew this song was going to make somebody's heart pliable. It's going to unharden their heart in a sense, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to really be able to feel like they've made a connection with God, feel his presence, and feel his goodness. And that's that's the where the grace steps in to be able to release that power, to be able to change somebody's life on something that... I can sing the same song twice, one with grace, one without grace. The one without grace is not going to touch their heart. They're not going to feel moved in any way. But the one that's with grace and that I, you know, I'm letting the grace do what it's set out to do, it's going to really meet them where they're at, and they're going to be like, okay, God, here I am. Use me. Mm-hmm. And so good. when you're that grocery store clerk that I keep talking about, when you're that when you're that person or gas station clerk that I'm talking about, <laughs> when you're that person and you're set, you're there, and and the person comes through and the and the Holy Spirit says that's the one you need to minister to today, and and they're there and you 
um, and you do something that most people wouldn't even consider ministry, the anointing would be there to help them and and it will minister to them in a way that they would have never you would have never got it any other way. So that is the practical application of grace for everyone to be able to look at. I mean, all together, you excelling in what you do because the anointing is there to do it and you're called for it. And I, I want to go back real quick. I'm sorry. I know we're this we're getting late on this podcast, but Aaron earlier said when he we, when he talked to that lady that he just said what God wanted him to say and it laid the foundation for the next Peter and John to come through and minister to her and what they're called to do. Aaron uh, some of y'all may not know Aaron if you're a listener just podcast, you only know Aaron from this podcast. Aaron is an awesome man of God. He has the full capability to walk somebody through salvation and fill them in the Holy Spirit right then and there. But that's not what his mission was at that time. The grace was given for him to say two words, I care, or ma'am, I care, three words. But you, when you, so when you're operating grace, we're not always looking for a huge turnout we're not always looking for people to fall out on the floor or people crying and weeping and just anything that we say is just makes them want to just fall on the altar that stuff does happen with grace but you got to understand that you're setting a foundation for the next person the peter and john to walk by and really be able to they they have that calling for their the way that they move how they act is going to really you've you've planted the seed for that person your grace planted the seed their their grace you know, poured water on it and and made it flourish. So, you know, with that being said, the small things that you feel led to do when you're ministering to somebody, if you're the gas station clerk, for example, just know that they may not say, they may look at you like you're crazy, but you've planted the foundation for the next person to be able to plant more or water a little bit, water a little bit. And because you did that, it, it laid the foundation for God to really move into their life at the exact moment in time that, it needs to happen. And it might mm-hmm. not be even saying scripture or saying Jesus loves you or anything. It's just being you in the moment, the way that God is inspiring you to be you. Absolutely. In that moment. Absolutely. Amen. Okay, so that just about wraps us up for episode five, Grace. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We hope that this has helped you, impacted you. And uh, I want to take this time to remind you about our email account. Nicodemus Podcast at Gmail. Not the Nicodemus Podcast, just Nicodemus Podcast. And also look us up on Facebook, Nicodemus Podcast. You'll find us. And um, come back and be with us for next episode, episode six. We're going to have Apostle Levance Pairs with us talking about iniquity. Um, go ahead and tell you a little bit. It's kind of the opposite of grace. Iniquity is what's trying to get you to move away from God. A lot of people deal with iniquity and they don't even know that's what they're dealing with. So, um, We love you all. Thank you so much for joining.